welcome to Collisions YYC. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. Today on the show, I sit down with Miss Tina Mathis. Tina's a coach, she's a creative, she's a growth strategist, an innovator, an entrepreneur, a visionary, a builder, a poet, a part-time singer-songwriter, and a woman who looks at the world through a very different set of lenses. And on our show, we get into left brain, right brain, growth versus fixed mindsets. We quote some Simon Sinek. We talk about Gandhi. We talk about Einstein. We talk about the predicament that we're in as Calgary and what we need to go forward. Why Edmonton might actually be ahead of us and why we should look at that as an example and maybe a little bit of a rallying cry to look at how we deal with community with a different sense of inclusion. And that community is like, yeah, let me introduce you to someone, but community when it comes to rolling up your sleeves and actually getting down and doing the work and what that means for Calgary going forward. Not only as a city that's going through COVID-19 as the rest of the world is, but a city that, let's be honest, has been back on our heels for the last five years and we're working our way out now more important than ever. Join me for a fantastic conversation with my friend, Tina Mathis. Good morning, Miss Tina Mathis. How are you? Good. I'm, I'm great. How are you? Excellent. As we are sharing, uh, we're both in lockdown. I think we're three weeks in right now in Calgary. And so we're sitting respectively on our other, each side of our cameras on our, on our, on our Zoom call. I don't know about you, but this has certainly become my reality very quickly. I went from, I'll, I'll be honest, disliking video conferencing to now I almost don't want to talk to people on the phone because I don't get to see them. <laughs> I know it's totally changed, uh, you know, my perspective, especially around texting too. I, I really don't want to text anymore. I'd rather call and hear somebody's voice. Just to hear another human. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think you and I chatted a little bit off just uh, as people that want human contact. And, you know, as much as people can drive me crazy, I still love them at the same time. Yeah. And, you know, I, and I love my wife dearly, but I said to her last night, I'm like, okay, if this is three months of this, we need to come up with some plans. Like we need to, <laughs> I don't know, like I, I can do anything for a few weeks, but the three month thing just hit me yesterday. I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. All right. Yeah. We need, we need goals. We need structures. I'm going to do a degree. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I got to get something structured here or else I'm going to go a little bit nutty in the next few yeah. months. Yeah. Well, I think that's the, the, the key thing is the structure is um, uh, I think uh, we need to tr- try and get ourselves into that discipline of having a little bit of structure yes. um, because I think that's what sort of starts to get to your, your mental wealth very quickly. So. Uh, yes, mental health is of high priority. And I think we're all going to go through like interesting. I read a Harvard Business Review article the other day and it was like, if you're feeling grief, that's okay. That's what this is. And here's the stages. And they kind of walk through the stages of grief in correlation to being self-isolated and having a global pandemic. And it was just interesting to see it framed and say like, we're in this stage. Where will we be now when we're in this next stage, you know, maybe two weeks from now? And it was just an interesting kind of, it gave structure to even how I was feeling, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And grief isn't a one-time thing either. So yeah, that's yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, geez, I had that. It's done. I can move on. I can move yeah, on now. Yeah. No, it, it is processing. Uh, yeah. well, Tina, tell us a little bit. Let's introduce, uh, introduce you to our audience. Who is okay. Tina Mathis? Oh, I hate this question. <laughs> well, you're free to answer it in any way you like, or we can just skip on and you can talk about yeah. something you're excited about and then uh, we'll get into Calgary, which is what we're here to chat about. Today. Yeah, no, I guess, um, the way I've been described before, I think Elon Musk uh, had a great description and I could have hugged him when he said it is, uh, I guess I'm an expert generalist, um, but really uh, where my passion is, is I'm a coach uh, and I'm a creative and um, I also teach. I teach for the U of A um, in their executive education um, department and, um, and I write poetry and um, sing, uh, amateur singer-songwriter. So... A bit of everything, but uh, most of all, I like solving wicked problems. So if you want uh, um, 
you know, so to solve mundane problems and get a mundane coach. I usually live. Uh, <laughs> I love starting <laughs> off, but here's what I'm not <laughs> versus here's not, what I right? am. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm one of those people that sort of lives bet- at the intersection of uh, curiosity and discomfort. So, um, uh, that's where, that's where the juicy, that's where the most wicked, I love the word wicked problems. I'm, I'm yeah. writing it down a quotable. I'm yeah. so fortunate. I talked to so many interesting people and, and I come, I have a whole, I have pages of just little, like in brackets, like remember this, say this again, wicked, yeah. pro- wicked problems. Wicked problem. And it's not, I mean, like I was talking to a really good friend of mine. He's a brilliant brand guy. Um, and, uh, his name's Dominic Kingston. And he said, I said to him, who am I Dominic? And he's like, Oh my God, Tina he goes, you are the creative director in the business, you know, the crazy person, the one that sees all of the dots and connects them and still plays music and <laughs> that kind of well, stuff. I love when you talk like, business coaching, teaching, executive, yeah. poetry writer, amateur yeah. singer, songwriter. In, in a quote unquote, our stereotypical world, those often don't live together. And I think that's something that's going to be, brings a unique perspective to the wicked problems that you get to solve. Yeah. And I, and I personally think they should. So. <laughs> uh, I, oh, I see the underpinning of our conversation. Today. Yes. <laughs> well, and you, and you, how long have you been in Calgary? You're, you're, would you call yourself, are you a Calgarian? I am now. Uh, okay. I am a closet Edmontonian. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that's, so that's, I, this is a Calgary centric show, but we're not yeah. in an Island. We're in Alberta and Edmonton is part Correct. of Alberta. So I'm an Albertan first. And, okay. um, uh, and I, and I mean that, and, and I'm, and I'll bring it up again later on in the conversation, but I'm an Albertan first. Um, and I'm a Canadian actually, I'm a Canadian first. Oh, um, nice. Thank and you. an Albertan, um, I'm a Canadian Greek South African. So, um, I landed in, Edmonton as an immigrant uh, 17 years ago and uh, Edmonton is my immigrant hometown and uh, I'm still very much an Oilers fan. Okay. And uh, I'm still very much during these these unprecedented times. We're going to let all this slide. No, it's fine. Of course, of course. I'm a Canadian first. I'm an Albertan, and I am definitely. I love. I love. I love Calgary. But every we've. I love Canada in general, and every city has its own unique flavor. Sometimes it's their hockey team. I did grow up in Montreal, so we won't even get into the hockey ride. No, let's not go there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I moved to uh, Calgary ten years ago. So I've been in Calgary now for 10, for 10 years and okay. uh, it is my home and uh, will be my home for as long as uh, Calgary will have me. So, um, yeah, I still, I still, my, my family is in Greece. Actually, they're kind of all over the world. Um, but uh, I have my uh, chosen family here now. So, uh, yes, for, yeah, the, fam- the family you choose. I love, I used to have a, one of those magnets on my friends, your friends are the family you choose and the, c- the city you choose to be from is the city you're in, those kind of, those kind of things. That's well, right. we're here to have a conversation today. You and I had a pre-chat the other day and love mm-hmm. some of your philosophies and your perspectives on what it takes to create change and what it takes to move forward. So let's start with the big one, the buzzy term that I love mm-hmm. to open with, economic transformation. Well, the world's changing. And of course, in this COVID crisis, the world's changing at a different from a different perspective but even before this calgary was going through a change so curious on your perspective on that even the word economic transformation which i think can be really thrown around loosely mm-hmm. what's your perspective and kind of what have you seen over the last 10 years in calgary um so there isn't an industry i haven't worked in uh, in calgary and in alberta and across canada i've actually worked in every single province in canada in probably every single industry and um one of the things that i'm really passionate about is the word transformation so let's like let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, please. let's let, let's chunk okay. it down. Absolutely, <laughs> let's chunk it down because transformation. Is, what is transformation? Think about it. Think about what uh, you know what it takes to become a butterfly. Okay, what what does a butterfly start as? 
right? It's not. Well, yep. it's, no, yeah, right? it doesn't start as a beautiful butterfly. It doesn't start as a beautiful butterfly and it has to struggle, right, to get out of that cocoon. It's a struggle. Transformation is a struggle mm-hmm. and it's a struggle to become something completely different from what you were. Okay. And my pet peeve around the word transformation, around the word economic transformation or digital transformation, which I hate <laughs> because we've been digitally transforming since the 80s uh, when, you know, you know, computers and stuff became mainstream. But we've been, you know, we've been digitally transforming for decades. So it's not a new thing. Transformation is becoming something completely different. And I haven't seen this city in particular become something completely different. Although we talk about transformation a lot and we pay a lot of consultants a lot of money to help us transform our companies, to me, transformation is about, especially in this city, is about really changing from the inside out. Mm. The intrinsic, okay. the intrinsic side of it versus looking at things as symptoms and almost causality versus what's our actual belief structure around it. Correct. Yeah. And so what I see, I mean, I'm very bullish about COVID-19. I'm probably the only person right now that is. But <laughs> because it, can, it, I, it might even be perceived as an unpopular position. <laughs> yes, which is fine. I'm, I'm usually the one that, um, you know, likes to poke the bear a little bit. I'm gathering um, that, actually. That's, 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 okay why I want, that. that's why I wanted to have you on the show. So please poke <laughs> away. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I, you know, I think um, we're, where we are at right now is a fantastic opportunity to do exactly that, to become something completely different. And what I'm saying is not to swing the pendulum one side or the other. So take all our eggs and say, oh, oil and gas is bad. And then put all our eggs into technology, which you and I spoke about the other day. It's like technology really isn't an industry. It's it's a way of breathing. Every company has technology. Every company should be thinking about technology. And technology is an enabler to really solving bigger, wicked problems, okay? It's not the be-all and end-all either. So, you know, for me, it's about how do oil and gas companies, for example, transform themselves from the inside out? How do they become something completely different? Mm-hmm. And not necessarily diversifying in, that, in, the, in the concept of, oh, now we do, we do wind and we do solar. It's like, how can, you, how can you really be very different? How can you go from being a blockbuster to a Netflix, right? How can you go from, you know, being, um, you know, like Kodak had, had the, the invented, you know, digital imaging and did nothing with it. Yes. Right? There, there's, some, have, there's some very interesting, when you start digging into those, the Kodak story is a really interesting one. They, correct, from the outside yeah. had all the tools to be successful, but yet something didn't allow them to move forward. Mm. Right. And to me, it comes down to the concept of community. And so, you know, when we think about where we are as, as the city of Calgary versus the city of Edmonton, you know, Edmonton is actually quite far ahead of us in many aspects in terms of reinventing themselves and transforming into something completely different, which is actually quite startling if you think about that they're a, sort of always be known as this government town mm-hmm. and i'm not saying it because it's my my <laughs> immigrant home you didn't take long to work it back into the conversation <laughs> that's like <laughs> well, like nine minutes in and she's already <laughs> no but let's understand let's unpack that from you've lived in both as a, as kind of an outsider who's become mm-hmm. part of the community i also believe you get a unique perspective when you come in somewhere from the outside you see it differently i do and i, and I think um you know there's exceptional minds 
in both cities, right? Actually, there are there are exceptional minds in this even in this province. But I think what it comes down to is, if we really truly want to transform ourselves, we really truly have to embrace the concept of community. And I think COVID nineteen is actually helping us remember what that looks like. In Edmonton, when I landed as an immigrant, it was so easy for me to become Canadian and oh, to feel at home because the sense of community there, I literally was embraced into the community. I have a adopted Ukrainian baba. I have you know, <laughs> nice. no jokes, seriously. And um, You'll you know, never go hungry. You'll never go I'm hungry when you have a baba in your life. Sorry, <laughs> that's a true story. Um, I, uh, I was able to, you know, join a, a basketball um, league. Um, I got invited to... Um, you know, everybody's home. I spent my first Christmas with our HR uh, partner's uh, family and we'd literally known each other for three months. And mm-hmm. it was just, there was no um, transaction. It was literally just welcome, come into the community, come be part of this community. When I moved to, and this is just my experience. Of so course. I know I'm going to piss off probably a lot of people, but that's, that's okay. <laughs> okay. Makes, um, ma- makes for a good podcast in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> coming to uh, coming to Calgary, and, and what I still find um, is that it's very transactional. Interesting. So okay. I do this for you. You got to do this for me. And um, mm, the whole re- law of re- re- reciprocity and like reciprocity this equals right. that. Ah, okay. This equals that. And that's so interesting. There, isn't, um, there isn't sort of this thing around, you know. I'm going to do this out of the kindness of my heart. And, you know, I, I question things like I'm going to donate 40,000 masks to the COVID, you know, federal mm-hmm. government. Yeah. Am I doing that because I have a sense of community or am I doing that because it makes me look good in terms of my social license to operate? Mm-hmm. Right. And it sort of may, it begs that question. Right. And if I'm, if I'm skeptical about that, then a lot of people are skeptical about that. So so really what I'm, I guess what I'm getting at is we need to start learning how to be more of a community within our organizations, right? Interesting versus throw up the walls. And because again, coming here from Eastern Canada, I grew up in a small rural community. So you and I had chatting about the barn building and, you know, you go to the neighbors and you borrow this and it was just the reciprocity was baked into the community. It wasn't ever an yeah. expectation, but you knew there was always going to be someone there to help. And it's yeah. interesting growing up in Montreal, growing up in Toronto, where it felt a little more, I moved to Calgary and I felt it was a lot more open. Like there was a lot more people willing to give you opportunity and willing to open doors, even than what I experienced in Montreal and Toronto that I think were just a little bit more, they were established. There was a bit more of a hierarchy of like, well, if you don't know so-and-so and I don't know your uncle, then, well, I won't give you a chance because it felt a little bit more hierarchical. Mm-hmm. Where it's funny coming to Calgary, I've never lived in Edmonton. I thought it was very open compared to those environments, but hearing you yeah. talk about Edmonton, it's just, it's, it's all stages and degrees, right? Yeah, that's right. And I've, I, you know, I've had arguments with people about this all, already who say, well, no, you know, Calgary is a great place. You know, people will refer you to other people, et cetera. And I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking okay. about people referring you to other people. I'm talking about people actually going that extra mile out of their way to help you. Right. Yes, there's I a difference between an, an introduction versus yes. actually having kind of quote unquote skin in the game of, of, your, of how you help. Okay. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, and I, and I saw it at different levels. I mean, I, um, especially in, in the tech industry, which we said is not an industry, but we sort of labeled an industry here yep. in Calgary. Um, you know, we, at the startup community level, there's a, a, there is a lot of community that happens. Right. Yeah, I was going to ask you if there's different hierarchies because being involved yes. with with um, 
Terry Rock and with Danielle Torrey and ben, yeah. and Evan Hugh and there's a lot yeah. of we're in it together mindset at that yeah. lower but it seems to kind of it does tend to peter out as you get to the middle level the startup mm-hmm. level it seems to be strong but beyond that it's not as much I've noticed that no and I, and I think it, it starts to when you start to get try to break through right and and I work with companies as their growth coach to help them grow and a lot of the time I'm using my own network to help them move through because we can't the, the community at the next level doesn't exist there's nobody you know that's okay. saying you know we rise by lifting others yep. there's there's nobody doing that at least there wasn't now i'm starting to see some pretty amazing you know uh folks who um you know want i call them old men who want to plant trees um who want to leave <laughs> a legacy and want to help yes. right and this and we can talk about that in a bit but um you know i was heartbroken when i left the corporate in, uh, industry. Um, Back in 2017, I literally walked away from my 23-year corporate career because I just, I was heartbroken. I was heartbroken in the, in the story that I'd been sold around what, you know, corporates were about. And, you know, it was sort of the definition of insanity around doing the same thing over and over again and, mm-hmm. and expecting a different result. Um, and I was heartbroken, you know, in, even with the clients that I was working with and seeing how politics became the antithesis to reinvention and innovation. You can't uh, innovate yeah, when you have extreme amount of politics within your, in your company. And so people would say to me, oh, but we're so entrepreneurial and we're so innovative. And I, and I would say, yes, we are. When it comes to getting things out of the ground, man, we are some of the best, right? We are super innovative. We've got brilliant scientists, brilliant engineers. But when it comes to our running our companies, we're still in, you know, post-Second World War structure. That's right? interesting. And do you think, and any thoughts on why that is? Because I agree, I agree with you. Like, if you want to look to why things aren't changing, you have to look at mindsets and belief structures. Correct. And I always yeah. joke, I always joke, you can argue with facts, but when you start arguing with beliefs is when people really get, put their yeah. backs up. Yeah. <laughs> so if you look at that, is it, be, is it because we've had such boom and bust and when it's boom, it's so successful that there's not motivation to change that it just, you know, we hold our breath and it comes back. And mm-hmm. again, I've had this conversation always trying to unpack, how did we get here? Because that'll help us make sure we don't, we change our ways to go forward differently. Yeah. I mean, like, I think we've just become accustomed to a certain lifestyle and, um, and not willing to give that up. And that's, or, put, or put it at risk at all. <laughs> or put it at risk. That's right. And uh, we, we have a tried and true and tested model that seems to work. But I don't think it's working anymore. Yeah, unfortunately, I think it seemed to work or it, it did work, I guess. Yeah. Because, you know, I had someone the other day who was very positive. They said, well, I think we're really well positioned to come out of this COVID-19. Is why that? I said, because we've been back on our heels for the last five years trying to figure this out. We should, should, I'm going to be careful with the shoulds. Yeah. We should already be in that mindset. And this hopefully just gives us another good kick in the pants to take that forward. I was like, ah, it's a, it was a nice way to think about it to your point of this being an opportunity and a, a kind of a forced collaboration, of a forced bringing yeah. it together. Yeah, and I think it's a it's a thing about being in growth mindset. You know, I teach this um, mm. course on growth mindset, and and I, I use it on my son all the time. But I think it's it's about being better, not you know, not about being good. Being good is being comfortable, and I think we've been comfortable quite quite a while. But I think we need to be we need to continue to be better. We must not need to. We must be better. We must be better. I mean, I think you and I talked about this. I I want I want Calgary to become the next heartbeat of Canada. Why should it be Toronto or Vancouver? Why not here? 
Mm-hmm. Why, why can't it be here? Yeah. Right. And the, the other thing is I don't want, I'm seven generations of, of first immigrants. I don't want my son to be, have to leave Calgary to go and find somewhere to work. I want him to be able to be, be in a place where already it's a brilliant place to live and play, but make it a brilliant place to live and play and work. You're right. If you take those three pillars, we have two of them really squarely suited and the quality yeah. of life here is amazing. But yeah. as a youth or as anybody, you've got to, you've got to go where the opportunities are. So I, I, I agree. The argument is they should be here as well. Cause we've got everything else. We've got the, we've got the pieces. So when you uh, just, um, I love the, the growth versus fix the mindset. So when you're working with a company and you do a lot of coaching, you, mm-hmm. you said it early, companies need to transform kind of at their root. And if I look at Calgary companies that maybe have that more of a fixed or, you know what, I wish, I wish it was like it was. How do you approach a company at the top level to move them to a growth mindset versus a fixed or inflexible mindset? So I start with trying to align their company vision with their personal uh, beliefs, Right. And um, because usually those are not at the same level Um, and getting them really aligned with, you know, are they really living at the CEO or founder level? Are they really living, truly living their why? Right. Mm -hmm. And we we talk about that as a, you know, it sounds wishy-washy. I've been told so many times I'm too agey for corporate, but I'm too new age for everything else. And I'm just like, okay, (laughs) okay. Well, um, <laughs> um, but it really just, it kind of starts with, uh, I'm a, so I coach through the medium of creative expression and I believe that we all have a creative muscle and we should all be able to exercise or not all should we, we must exercise that creative muscle because the creative muscle is what creates curiosity. And how do we solve problems? We solve problems by using a curious mind right? We solve problems by shifting our mindset into um, how do we be better versus how do we just be good? So how do we do that? Well, what I do is I challenge them in terms of their, you know, getting in touch with their creative side. Okay. So I've had clients, I had a client the other day who, who made me a wooden spoon from scratch, right? And, and he's an IT person right and so I said okay what do you do for creative expression and it sort of unlocked a whole bunch of things for him Um, I had a client who did stand-up comedy and she'd never done it in her entire life and And just uh, to put into context these are executives leaders people that that is completely foreign if not probably petrifying for them sometimes yeah fear fear of failure feel all the things that you're putting it out there which is really yeah and so, you know, and from my perspective, you know, I'm, I, I'm a design thinking practitioner as well. And I fell into that because, um, you know, I was part of a team. Actually, you know what I'll do? I'll, I'll go back and I'll tell you a little bit about my, why I found creativity to be the key to unlock a lot of what needs to okay. yeah, transform absolutely. within organizations. Every single organization I've ever worked in, being a creative thinker myself, I would sort of push a little bit around that space. When I, um, when I worked with my team at Smart Technologies, we, I came into the team and uh, they saw me as somebody coming from an outsourcing background and they were just going to be outsourced. So I was met with a lot of resistance. You, you, were, uh, you, were, you were the Grim Reaper. <laughs> I was the Grim Reaper, but it wasn't actually, it was just, that was my past. It wasn't what I was going to do. Uh, the things we drag around in that big bag over our shoulder. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> On our LinkedIn we, profiles. We, uh, we started to, I started to infuse a few things. One of the things that I, I, I realized, and you ask anybody, 
in, in IT, whether they have a creative outlet and they will say yes. Most of them are either musicians, they play an instrument, they sing, or they work with their hands, or you know, they paint. Every single one of them has a, has a creative outlet, but not every single one of them actually um, engages with it because we allow for our, our work environment to almost run our lives, okay? Um, and we don't realize how important that, that creative expression is. So my team, I mean, we were, we were doing uh, garage band sessions during the day um, or at the end of the day where the team would get together and play garage band or um, we actually had the whole team, which was 95% male, sing holiday songs in the cafeteria um, and I was sort of the conductor. And to me, that was huge. The creativity we had in solving problems, and we had a lot of problems to solve at, at the time, just skyrocketed and everybody started to feel more as, as, a, as a team, as a community, right, to, to solve problems. Um, and it completely changed, completely transformed the, the team. Um, to to the point where they actually posted the video of um, of the singing and said um, this is uh, this is management one hundred and one on YouTube and I was mortified but anyway um, <laughs> <laughs> and then well, in my when you team, put yourself out there you got to be willing for whatever shows up right, right? <laughs> exactly uh, and then my team at ATB you know Dave Mowat um, put together this team called Emerge which just right when. Uh, the fintech industry had started to really mm-hmm. make an impact um, on financial institutions. And we were five people of which only one person in that team had a banking background. The rest of us had no financial background whatsoever. Okay. Um, and we were brought in to literally b- break the bank. And um, we had... <laughs> nice, nice. We, yeah. And so we, I thought it was brilliant. Um, you know, he brought together people that were you know, business oriented, but creative thinkers. And we, we managed to do a few pretty brilliant things. Like um, we tested a proposition like ATB booster. Um, and we created a whole environment where you as a business could find an alternative means of lending through rewards um, or through a reward crowdfunding platform. You know, one of our seed campaigns on that, on that platform was to Neil Towns. Um, to Neil Towns, I don't know if you know who she is, but she's, uh, you know, one of the most uh, rising stars, young rising stars right now in the country music industry. Okay. I know, I know I'm not a huge country music fan, but the name yeah. I'm like, I said, I know the name, but I don't know where, so I didn't want to, I didn't want to jump in. Yeah. She's this brilliant young human out of Grand Prairie where we tested our first proposition and she was our first seed campaign on that, on that platform. And it's now gone and transformed and done amazing things. Um, you know, we, we proved that you could do, um, uh, we broke the lending process and we got really curious about that. And we proved that you could do, uh, you know, know your, know your customer, what we call KYC, um, which is like eyeballing your customer without actually physically having to go into the bank. Mm-hmm. You know, we did some pretty amazing things as a team, but one of the things that we really loved to do was, you know, just push the envelope when it came to our creativity. We did this skit for Christmas that we published to the rest of the company. And it was- uh, Which takes a degree of courage all to to itself. (laughs) Vulnerability at its best. (laughs) Yeah, the group of us just doing the skit um, and, you know, taking the the mickey out of, I don't know if that's a Canadian term, but like really poking fun at 
some of the things that weren't going great, you know, like the computers that we had or, yes. you know, um, you going, know, going, going right at something versus, versus, right the, versus exactly. that nobody wants to admit there's something going wrong because someone won't save face and all that culture versus the opposite of calling it out. Yeah. And everybody knows so that, you know, then that institutional knowledge around those things is huge. And when we, when you call a shine a light on it, it makes people feel more connected. Yeah. And so it gave me a really a good appreciation of, you know, what the creative mind can do when it comes to solving problems and even identifying problems, especially when you, when you create an environment that allows for that to come through. Um, I think that's so important. And we think about Calgary and and transformation, what companies, what leadership teams need to, the space we need to allow, and I'm putting myself as a we in there as a leader, mm-hmm. how do I create the space in my company to allow to bring in exactly what you talked about? Because that was someone at leadership said, let's try this. Let's take a chance. Let's roll the dice. Or maybe they believed in it so much, it didn't feel like taking a chance. That's right. Yeah. And every single one of these teams, we're still in contact. We still help each other solve problems. We're still very supportive of each other when we're trying to do different things. Um, and that that you see, so you start to build these these communities outside that start yeah. within your your environment, within your workspace, and then start to build outside. Um, when I was at IBM, we did the same thing. We were a startup within IBM, and we were to sell, you know, IBM's what we call cognitive, which is um, I can't even say it's their AI uh, agent. It's more, you know, it's based on a neural network, and it's a machine that learns the way the the way we learn as human beings. And we were to go and sell this into the natural resources industry. And, and that was interesting. Um, and um, we were a whole group of people who only a few of us had a technology background. Uh, the rest were industry people. We had marketers. We had brand people. We had, you know, people that ran Keystone Pipeline. We had, you know, mine managers, all of that. And we went into the, to the natural resources industry. And instead of trying to push AI or machine learning on them, we used design thinking, so the creative process, to help them figure out what the problem was that they were actually trying to solve. Well, there's you a know? very big difference into doing something to someone, like I'm going to sell you this versus doing something with someone. Correct. <laughs> you know, which, and I think we get that wrong a lot of times as companies. We yes. come up with an idea. We forget to even bring the customer into the conversation and then we try to do it to them. <laughs> Correct. And that's where a coaching approach comes in. I think everybody... Mm-hmm. Uh, must develop a coaching muscle. You asked me, you know, what do you do when you first start to interact with your clients, especially at the C-suite level, is I start to ask them questions that help them have their own insights about how to solve the yes. problem, right? And and they're, they're thinking questions. They're the kinds of questions that give you that aha moment. But the aha moment is nothing unless you turn it into an action because yes. it comes and goes just like that, right? And so, um, you know, that's that is is a muscle that we we all need to develop because and it comes from a curious place. It's a right brained type of function, right? Mm-hmm. And you and I talked at length about yes. the right brain versus left brain because it's just a nice easy way to understand it, even though it's yeah. layers to it. Calgary would be arguably have built a lot of its success on a very left brain linear approach to things. Approach to Not things. that there That's wasn't right. creativity in there, but yeah. we're asking you know our leadership teams to do things like you said, very different from the quote unquote proven way that it worked before, which Correct. it's not working anymore. And arguably this current crisis is going to make it, it's going to cause it to work even more differently than I think we even know. Yeah. And I think we, you know, we, we do have, it's a misnomer that engineers are not creative. 
right? Um, that engineers are linear thinkers. And I'm like, no, I call bull on that. And can I say that? On- you can, you can okay. say whatever you want. <laughs> okay. this is, anybody can listen, but this, there's, there's some adult content from time to time yeah, on the show. Okay. So yes, please. Yeah, I call bull on that. I mean, like I usually, you and I talked about this earlier, you know, my, my coaching background is in neuroscience. And so I, I get in, I'm like the Helen of Troy with my Trojan horse. I get into the organization based on the science part because, you know, they love that and they can relate to that. And then I get them into the creative expression stuff. And then immediately they're like, I like suspend disbelief and just go with it with me. And they, it yes. always, it, they always love it at the end because they've been able to unlock something inside of them. They already are, are problem solvers by nature. Yes, right? 100%. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they are creative because in order to solve a problem, you have to use your creative mind. And so I I resonate with what you said, just thinking about, I don't know why why it popped up, but you know, it's like a muscle and you have to work it out. Sometimes you might not want to go to the, do your yoga or do your gym or whatever, but very seldom after do you regret having done it because you've worked out that muscle and it feels great to do it. Exactly. That's right. (laughs) I wish I didn't go to that class. No, I don't want to go, but I always am glad I went. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And then it's just habitualizing it. Right. So you went the one time you're glad you did. Now, how do we, how do we take that energy and that excitement of the fact that you're glad you did and, and help you to go and do it again and again. Well, I like what you said. It's about, because if there's a whole community, you know how you go to the gym or go to a class, have Mm -hmm. an appointment with somebody you're going to meet there. So having an appointment to meet around being creative in your organization and creating that space for that. Mm -hmm. It's amazing how, because maybe you might not be your day, but the three other people you're meeting with, they're on that day. So they're going to carry you and they're going to, it is infectious for sure. Yes. Yeah. And then like, you know, one of the things that when I was at IBM, I I started to think about is like, how do we get how do we create a community? Because one of the things that I found that wasn't working in the startup community was we're doing a lot of mentoring and we're getting people to mm-hmm. mentor people. But what I found with the startups that I was working with was they didn't need mentoring. They needed people to literally just roll up their sleeves and, and help them because they didn't, they didn't have the expertise in all of the areas that they needed in order to help their company get off the ground. Um, and so I had this idea of how do we bring the sales um, potential of IBM um, and the the large client base of IBM to to the uh, startup world and okay. create something that they both could you know um, benefit from and that's when we uh, we decided to join with Arlene Dickinson and we opened up the IBM and District Ventures Innovation Space mm-hmm. and I loved that was almost like I had you know. Everything had, all the stars had aligned and my dream job had sort of Materia- materialized. <laughs> had materialized or, or, or I would say, right? been, I would say probably more manifested by you than materialized. Yes, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and, and that environment was amazing because we had Arlene's team on the, you know, top floor who were all of these amazing marketing and branding and mm-hmm. creatives. And then we had these, you know, I picked eight companies to be in that space and, and they were leading and developing really um, on the edge type of solutions to problems in the natural resources industry and exposing them to the different companies. I thought, you know, I'm an idealist. I thought, oh, this will be fantastic. You know, all these bigger companies will invest in them and, you know, IBM's going to sell what they have. And then I quickly learned that that's not the way the world works. And, and <laughs> so, yes, yes, yeah, yeah. You know, and so, um, you know, <laughs> the, rena- the reality grenade usually gets thrown in sooner or later, exactly. but, it, but then you go, oh, okay. All yeah. it really is, is this is how I thought it was going to work, but I'm going to now redirect. Like yeah. sometimes you have to build the buildings and see, find out where the path goes. You think where they're going to walk, but you don't ever really know. Yeah. And that's where I sort of uncovered that 
the political system doesn't mm. actually enable community and uh, growth. Well, okay. we do a lot to protect our, our imaginary positions. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that's why I sort of, I, I, I sort of left that and decided how do I facilitate that? How do I facilitate the, the, um, the, uh, I guess the correlate, not the correlation. I, and what's the good word for it? How do I, um, align the creative with the business? Because when the two come together, magic happens, right? And then how do I create community and how do I create access and opportunity, not just for the startup world, but for anybody at the grassroots level in the community. And that's when the Barn Project uh, came about. And um, I think, you know, our generation as the bridging generation or the lost generation as we're known, Generation X marks yes. this um, I think that's our, our uh, purpose as a generation. We are the bridge and we, we should be doing everything that we can. We must be doing everything we can to bridge the next generation with the generation that has come before us into something that's going to make us look completely different. Oh, that's interesting. And as far as Calgary goes, are you seeing, I know obviously the, the things you're involved with, there's so many different initiatives going on in Calgary. Is there anything yeah. that shines out for you? Cause I always want to, part of the show is also drawing attention to things that people might yeah. not know about. Is there things, is there good examples of where you see this happening? Absolutely. There's one that I'm, I'm super excited about. Um, it's called Intergen. I don't know if you've heard about it. I have heard about it, but I yeah, have not so looked Brian into it. Brian Fileski, Jim Gray, um, Sandy Gilbert, uh, Sandy Gilbert, phenomenal woman. Um, so what they're doing is focusing on a problem that we have in Calgary, which is how to scale companies here. Excellent. And keep them here. Yeah, and so I, they I like have, and, and keep them right, well. and yeah. keep them here. And so they are very much focusing, and they've created a fund to focus primarily on growth companies that companies, uh, startups, that, well, they're no longer startups, they're more scale-ups now, that are scaling and need support in scaling. And uh, they have a very different approach to it as well. Um, okay. And they have this sort of matching system where you match uh, a mentor with, uh, with, the, uh, with the company, but the mentor actually doesn't just mentor, they roll up their sleeves and do work. I heard you loud and clear. I like you. Yeah. You and I talked the other day about the, the the community and the small town and the the pioneering ways of the past. When it was all about rolling up, you didn't stand there and just talk about how you were going to help. You actually physically helped. Correct. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a, right. That's an interesting mindset. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think we need to see a lot more of that. Is um, uh, as a as a city, we need a, a vision, and um, and you know one of the things that I think that this fund is doing is really emphasizing the fact that if we don't help companies scale and stay, yes, we won't be able to resolve some of the bigger challenges that we have as a city. Um, I think the other thing that they're doing, which is pretty cool is a top seven over 70. Okay. Yes. I've heard of that. Absolutely. I think, yeah. I, think, I think, I think that's awesome. Actually, That is awesome. And, and I think, you know, again, this is what they're doing is something that can be replicated. They're also working as part of a community with the Calgary, with Calgary economic development and uh, the chamber of commerce, et cetera, um, which I think is, is great. But they're, I think, I think they're a shining star. It's not a huge fund, mm -hmm. um, but the emphasis that they have is spot on. 
Well, if the movement is right and people see it as an example of like, hey, here's a here's a way of approaching it that's working well, it begets it gets more. And I had mm-hmm. someone on one of my other podcasts, and she, um, Mitzi Murray was her name, and she did a whole film festival around ageism. And how we are so quick to discriminate young as having no value, but also old as having no value. But when you look at it on the continuum of business, you've got so many different value propositions that come from young to old. How do we bring them all? And I'm, I think I told you, I'm very inclusive. Get mm-hmm. We need everybody off the bench. Like, get on the field. Like, let's full court press here kind of thing to, yeah. to mix and match a whole bunch of metaphors. But yeah. the idea of something like that where you bring someone top 70 over 70 with someone who's in a startup phase, like that's really interesting to put those two together with an open creativity filter, like you said, of where yeah. that can go. That, make, that makes yeah. me excited to hear those things are going on. Yeah. And they, they definitely are bringing some very experienced people in to help these companies. And, you know, and it's a mutual, it's a mutual um, benefit to both. And I think that's incredible. Everybody walks um, away energized from that conversation. I think. Yeah. And I think the other thing that we, we need to put some emphasis on is teaching companies, startups, scale-ups on how to raise capital. Mm. Well, it could be a big black bag of mystery and I don't know and I don't understand. And when you're on the outside of that, it can be very scary. It, it can. And there's two sides to it too, is that we need private equity firms and venture capitalists to understand how to invest in, uh, in these types of startups. And, okay. and, and, and I think you and, you and I chatted that yeah. these might be different than the businesses they've invested in before. Correct. Yeah. So there, there's some learning on both sides. Cause there's some learning. Cause again, yeah. if we look at fear at kind of the thing that stops most, most yeah. of us from moving forward, mm-hmm. it feels way more risky, not because it is, but simply because I don't understand where I don't understand something. My risks, my risk meter goes way higher. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. And so, and a lot of it has to do with education. So how can I educate always, and create always. awareness yeah, around how to do this? Because yes, you might have to go through you know, 50 startups um, and, get, and select down to five, but one of those five could be the next antibiotics. Wouldn't you want another antibiotics? Yeah, right. As, as part of your as part of your portfolio. As part of, of your portfolio. Of, 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 your, of your part of your portfolio of good decisions yeah. you can celebrate later. <laughs> Correct. And believe me, there are more of the antibiotics out there, right? There are. I've seen them. They just don't get the, the light of day. And that's the that's the thing. We need to have these private equity firms and these venture capital firms who typically would invest in in oil and gas. Yes. To look at expanding their portfolio and educate them on how to do that. And then also educate growth companies and startups on how much to raise. Right. Yes, I've 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 different I've had different founder conversations and there's a real mixed bag of opinions and approaches to that of like I don't if I do this this will hurt me in the road or I've read about this happening and there's a lot there's cuz there's so many different versions of it floating around out there. So I think yeah. there's a there's a big gap of understanding and it filled by fear on both sides. Yeah. And is that a is that a is that a startup Calgary? Is it is it Calgary Academy Development? Is it platform? Is there someone that or are they just not or maybe there's an organization that doesn't isn't out there yet? If you were, if you were going to throw something new in Calgary to help bridge that gap that you talked about, because I often ask which which groups should we collide together? And I heard you like loud and clear startup group and the VC group. Is there somebody that should be there stewarding that, or is it more just creating a more of an openness to even the concept? I think it's the latter because, you know, I've lived through the trying to get, you know, um, the universities, the, the, uh, the industry and um, uh, the, the broader industry community and the uh, startup community together and, and, the, and the government. And it's been a, a painful process. Okay. And I think there's too many cooks in that kitchen 
um, way too many cooks. All looking to maybe control the process a little bit too much. Correct. Yeah. And I think this needs to become something that, you know, you as an entrepreneur, you're, you're, if there's a rule to break, go and break it um, (laughs) and figure out how to get it done and start creating that community. I think it's, it's, it's got to come from the community, from the people, not from, not from the institutions. Uh, okay. Right. Yeah, they're there to they're there to provide information. They're there to guide, but you you as a community, and that's why the barn for me is such an important concept um, and proposition that I'm working on is because it's all about access and creating access for all levels of creativity, all levels of the community, whether it's you know. Um, do you want me to talk about the barn? Yeah, I was just gonna. I was just gonna say, please, because this is about letting <laughs> people know. Um, you and I talked about it a little bit the other day, but what, <laughs> so sorry. I'll be curious. Uh, t- tell me, Tina, what is the barn? The barn. Okay. <laughs> let me the let barn. me tee that right up for you. <laughs> <laughs> the barn is a is a passion project of mine, and um, it's called Canadiana Heart. And I I chose those two words because Canadiana is a genre of music that is uh, unique to Canada. Um, but it encompasses all genres of music. And so it's a very oh, inclusive very Inclusive. Oh, I like yeah. that. It's a very inclusive word and heart because I think that uh, everything we do should, must stem from the heart. It must be around um, uh, the heart, why I call the heartbeat of, of Canada starts within Calgary. Um, and when we approach things from uh, the position of the heart, from, from a place of love, only good things can come, mm, can emerge from that, right? Yeah. You know, Einstein said that the only energy we haven't learned to work with is the energy of love. Oh, I've and, not heard that one. That's a good yeah, one. Yeah, and if we learn how to work with the energy of love, man, incredible things will happen. Instead, we are an, an, a, a, a universe right now that is working from the energy of fear, which is yes, not I, a great place to, no, to work from, right? So what it does and what the concept of Canadian Heart is, is it's a social collaborative learning environment where um, uh, all aspects of the community get involved and experiment with ideas. Okay, so it's not an innovation lab. It's not... Uh, it's not a um, it's kind of like a BAMP center, okay. Um, but gives but, but with the ability to for everybody to access it. And this is and, okay. and also this is here in town. This is you said I think in it's Inglewood. Here in is town, that- it's in Inglewood. Um, uh, it's a, a proposition that we've already pitched to the city, and now we're in the process of doing community consultation. Excellent. It has to be something that is for the community by the yep. community. And I'll give you an idea. It'll have an experimental kitchen in it. It'll have an experimental maker's floor. It'll have an experimental music studio and music hall. And the emphasis is on the word experimental. Um, the idea behind it is that, you know, nine-year-old Tina can go and spend time in the experimental kitchen and, you know, work potentially with, say, Connie D'Souza, who comes in who wants to try something different and get you know, uh, community feedback right away. Or, um, you know, there's uh, Tyler, who is really well known amongst his friends for being this amazing cook. And uh, wants to, it's, you know, it's always been one of his ambitions is to, you know, put on a, on a kitchen and for a night, then Tyler can come and put on a kitchen for the night for the community and actually, you know, be a, be a chef for the, for the night. 
right? Or it's, um, you know, one of, one of my uh, favorite uh, chefs out, out there, um, Connor. He's the big burly chef. If you haven't checked him out, check him out, thebigburlychef.com. Yeah. He, uh, he doesn't want to own a restaurant. A whole bunch of things come with that, right? So he can come uh, yes. and, and put, on a, put on a couple of nights uh, a week uh, and people can come and eat. And uh, we could have, you know, chef cook-offs. It's just like one aspect of it. Mm-hmm. What it, The idea behind it is I bring the business community in, right? So what I'd love to do, two groups that I'd love to bring together is engineers and uh, finance people from all various different industries to come into the space, spend some time with the makers, spend some time with the musicians, spend some time with the... Uh, with the chefs and the cooks and learn and understand their creative process as opposed to me, you know, saying, Oh, here, I'll take you through a design thinking workshop. No, Mm -hmm. let them remember what it's like to take time and be patient with your craft, right. To exercise that creative muscle and then go into a session where you're solving wicked problems. And so when I think about the barn, I want the barn to become the place where anybody around the world can come to Calgary to solve wicked problems. Oh, that's a, that's, that, there's the big hairy audacious. I like that a lot. That's the hairy audacious. When we think about, oh, what should we be? What should Calgary be? I don't want to pigeonhole us into we should be the next AI you know, place. I think it's easy to go there because we want it. We want to put a label on it because it gives us some type of comfort. Yeah. That's it's it's hard not to go there. Mm -hmm. But yeah. What if we became the place that solved some wicked problems? Why, you know, we have two wicked problems. We can already be the, the forerunners in one is education. That's a big ass wicked problem. We need to be solving. Right. That that this current crisis is shining a light on even more on how antiquated that model is. Yeah. Or how, or sorry, and how ripe it is for transformation. Let's put that in a positive. <laughs> it is. If you think about it, we are in the fourth industrial revolution. I was in London last year and all they could talk about was 4IR, 4IR, 4IR. Wow. And I was like, okay, great. We're in the fourth industrial revolution and we still have an education system that was based on the first industrial revolution. <laughs> yes. This is not a, it's not a Calgary problem. It's not an Alberta problem or a Canada problem. This is a global problem. Okay. So, you know, why wouldn't we want to be that place that solves that wicked problem? We have the, the brain power here to do that. You know, the problem around our environment and climate change, mm-hmm. right? Okay, well, why can't we be that place where that's solved? Or it's already being solved. Okay, well, what are some of the bigger, you know, audacious wicked problems we'd like to solve around that space here in Calgary? And so that become, it becomes that place, that place. Or it's the place where, you know, I had this, um, the, uh, the architectural company that's done the design for, for the barn is Moda. And I love those, those two, Dustin and Ben, they're incredible. And John, who's, who was working on the project. And then we have, um, uh, the amazing, um, Laura and, and, and Karen from, uh, Ryan Murphy construction. Oh, yes. I'm, I am a big fan. I've had, I've oh, had, yeah. I've had they're Laura on incredible. the show. They are. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and then we have the Holland group, um, and who are doing the design, who are also incredible uh, on the inside. And so we have all of these amazing Calgary-based folks that are, you know, working on this project. And um, we, were, we were talking about this and we said, like, you know, what if it's a place where, you know, Taylor Swift comes into town and plays the event center, right, and then does a, you know, a songwriting session at the, at the Studio Bell, 
right? Mm -hmm. And comes down the music mile and comes and does a, a, a session, a, a experimental session in the barn where we put to her a question around how would you solve for education? What are your ideas and thoughts around that? And so you get that diversity in thinking and she gets to, you know, have an intimate connection with, with an audience again. So it's basically what I'm trying to do is, is disrupt the way we think about things in general, disrupt the education process, disrupt the work, the way we work by bringing these two entities together, the creative and the, the, the business in mm -hmm. one place and give access to the community, whether you are at, at whatever socioeconomic level you are at. I, what I'm hearing have, loud and clear is you're removing yeah. the barriers. There isn't, you have to be removing this tall. The to ride. You don't have to be yeah. this tall or this wealthy or this educated to ride, to ride the ride. Yeah. Because it, it, it truly is the good ideas come from every, anywhere, but unless you bring them into an area they can actually take in forward, they kind of just sometimes die in the vine. Mm -hmm. Correct. Yeah. Oh, very and interesting. And what's your, now, now I'm really curious. You got me. Well, what's your timeline for this? This amazing, this amazing addition <laughs> to the Calgary landscape. Yeah. Well, you know, nothing ever happens at the speed that I'd like it to happen. In, I would so. sense that. To be true, I, yeah, I think so I share with that. Yeah, yeah, we're probably um, around twelve to fourteen months out. Okay, so yeah. Well, I feel that you and I will come back and have that conversation when we mm -hmm. when you launch, and that's happening. Yeah. And maybe we come in and do an experiment, a way to do a podcast, engaging the audience, and totally different. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. I I love that when you think about it as as a backdrop for Calgary and what we need to go forward, and how we are like it's 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 a mandatory that we need to do things differently. But to do things differently, we need to think about them differently, and that can be really right. easy to say and hard to do. Yeah, yeah. So and, la la yeah. last question, you've answered, you've already got ahead of some of my questions. It's great yeah. about who we should bring together. One question I like to ask, because I always get a variety of answers on this one. If you were going to build the mythical dashboard for Calgary to say, okay, you know what? It's six months. We're going to look at the dashboard and like, yeah, we're moving in the quote unquote right direction or better direction. Or what are some of the indicators you would look for as, an, as, as like, okay, we need to report to the board, <laughs> which is the community really at the end of the day and say, hey, these are the things that we've done and these are the impacts they've had. What, what would that look like in your mind? Um, I think one of the things that I'd like to see is that we've really started to think about how we start, we change how we work. So how we okay. run our companies. At its base. Mm -hmm. At its base. I'd, I'd really love to see that. If I see that we're roaring back in terms of, um, um, you know, trying to do the same again, you know, being an oil economy only, uh, then I, I will be disappointed. That's a negative indicator. Agreed. That's the, a negative the, the, indicator. The indicator of diversification. And yeah, you know, and one thing we're certainly in a large, very large scale social experiment right now about how we mm -hmm. work. <laughs> yeah, Even just from day to day. Mm -hmm. Well, I think the most important indicator is how we're connecting with each other. You know, I went to go and see uh, Simon Sinek um, earlier this year uh, in San Francisco, and he said something that really shook me. He said, "We're we're not in." Um, a climate change crisis. We are in a human connection crisis. Ooh, that's and, good. he's um, got the greatest, like, kind of just boom phrases. <laughs> he does, and it was it was quite impactful. And I think I'm going to blame COVID nineteen on him. <laughs> well, something that, needs something then... needs to happen to prove <laughs> the point, right? Human yeah. connection crisis. I'm going to write human that down. Human connection crisis. And I think what I'd like to see in six months' time is that we've become better humans that we are connecting with each other, that we are um, collaborating as a community to solve some of these bigger problems. I'm not, you know, I'm not um, saying it lightly when I say, you know, one of the biggest 
wickedest problems we could solve is education. Um, I think education is where it all starts. Well, it's the root of it. It's the root of, or it, it's the, it's the launching place for so much. The launching the place for so much down the road. And, mm-hmm. you know, Graham, Graham Edge brought two incredible people to energy disruptors. I mean, he brought in a lot of energy disruptors. I Graham on the show to help promote it. I think it's great. The industry yeah. And he, uh, and he, 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 he brought two that were um, just, so Ken Robinson and Vivian Ming and so Ken Robinson did this thing where he said to the audience, there were about 2000 people there. He said, how many of you are doing what you set out to do when you left high school and nobody stood up. And the thing that bothered me about that is that there are a lot of people working in a lot of organizations right now and organizations need to be mindful of this that are not doing what they've, wanted to do well back to living your why living your truth living living your yeah yeah and so it makes hr organizations need to be large Hmm. because there are a bunch of people um, a lot of people not doing what they want to do within those organizations because they believe that they just need to come in clock in get you know get the job done so that they can afford all of the things that they need to afford in uh in their lifestyle Oh, and it's a sure. vicious cycle. And so that starts with, edu- it all starts with education. And I think we, we are primed right now with everything that's going on in the city around education to, uh, to work on that. And then the second thing I'd like to see in six months is a really good in-depth breakdown of our healthcare system. Oh, that's, that's a really interesting one because everyone knows that's needed to change, but when's the impetus that it actually can, or that they have a little bit, I have a friend who, a couple of friends who work in health tech, health technology and yeah. some of the stories they tell about how things go on behind the scenes and you know, it's antiquated, but when you really hear the details and I know they're under a lot of stress and they're doing a lot of great work right now, but if we don't change that model, it's not sustainable for the future. And that's a very yeah. real, that, that, that affects us all. That's a universal that's, leveler. Yeah. It's, I think it's something it's really looking at what is the problem we are really trying to solve in the healthcare industry? Right. You know, I was part of the one of the companies that uh, looked at the electronic health record ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is that the problem we should be solving? And are we really talking instead of pointing fingers at our doctors, at our nurses, etc.? Instead of trying to solve this within the system, right? Why aren't we looking at the patient? and asking the patient how they want to experience healthcare. Well, to me, it resonates with the design, a design thinking approach yeah. like, that you've said already, and yeah. which always goes back to the customer first or the end user first. Yeah. And so I think that's another really big wicked problem that I'd love to see us, uh, you know, definitely making strides into, um, but thinking about it from a completely different perspective. In other words, how do we transform healthcare? Remember what we said earlier about what transformation is? Yes. Mm-hmm. Ah, but nice, we, nice, bring it, nice bring it back around. <laughs> yeah. How do we make, you know, healthcare is something that defined Canada. I remember there yes. were so many things that defined Canada, but healthcare was one of them. I remember, you know, growing up in South Africa, that's who we looked at to lead in the healthcare space was Canada. So how do we transform the healthcare industry? How do, how do we be the leader again? That's interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do we be the leader again so that it looks completely different from what it was, but still serves every single human because it should be a basic human right to have access yes. to excellent health care. 
And something um, that when you live in Canada, you can easily kind of take for granted for sure. Yeah, it's, hard, it's hard not to because it's been there for so long and we are still humans at the end of the day. We, exactly. we know Something awesome becomes normalized once it's been there for a while. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, as Calgarians, you know, how do we, how do we start that? How do we become the impetus for that? Because one of the things I, I loved about Canada, the reason I moved to Canada was, you know, Canada were leaders in many, many areas. You know, in, in the droughts in South Africa in the 80s, when we ran out of corn, they brought Canadian farmers to South Africa to teach farmers how to, how to oh, farm. I know that. That's interesting. You know, yellow corn and all of that kind of stuff. Um, mining, same thing. Um, when we looked at the legal system, we brought our, one of our previous premiers to South Africa to work with Nelson Mandela on the legal system in South Africa. Um, so we were known as, as the place you go to. We were the authority. And oh, I find... I didn't, I didn't, again, being a Canadian, those are some of the things you just don't, you just don't know. I wasn't aware of That's interesting. Exactly, yeah. And where, I think... You know, what, what are the opportunities? Where can we be that for the, for the world of tomorrow? That's an interesting... That's an interesting wicked problem to solve. Oh, yeah. And I, <laughs> I'm and going to start think, using wicked problem, by the way. I love yeah, it. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm, and I will credit you every time. <laughs> My friend Tina says it this way. <laughs> um, and I think, uh, I think instead of looking and trying to copy everything else that's going on around the world, you know, my father was an artist. He said, you know, there's no such thing as an original idea. It's just how you can make it better. <laughs> so I think we should still look, go outside of our insular environment in Calgary, go and look at what other people are doing, but think about how we want to uniquely be um, and solve wicked problems here. I think that's important. That's a very exciting kind of question to leave it on. I think you and I can, I, I, I feel there's many more layers to this conversation. <laughs> I really appreciate your perspective and bringing it back to, uh, there's tangible things, but it's so much is about a mindset and about an approach and about a way of thinking and how we can get yeah. more of us, more of us, the proverbial us, aligned on that way of thinking mm -hmm. to allow this to move forward. And I think mm -hmm. that's the, this time or this kind of break state or this huge pattern interrupt we have in our lives right now with this COVID-19 situation, there's no better time to come out of the other side with a whole new mindset in my mind like let's take yeah. advantage of to, to you said being optimistic about this crisis yeah and i think being at the bullish. end of the day tyler if you want to transform the world you have to start one place and one place only yes and that's with yourself as they say right? yes so, so it's so it's so easy to look to the look to someone else to have the answer for my journey but it, it just doesn't work that way <laughs> no it, it doesn't and it absolutely has to be you know, it sounds cliche. Muhammad Gandhi said, you know, be the change you want to see in the world. Mm -hmm. It has to, when you start to transform yourself, everything else around you starts to transform with you. So. Yes. The cause and effect of the nature of you know, the cart and the horse. It's a, it's an interesting because you, you change the way you think you immediately change the way you see things. And if you change the way you see things, the world looks differently and mm -hmm. opportunities show up that you have driven by 10 times. And all of a sudden that empty lot is an opportunity. It's so interesting. Exactly. How that happens. Yeah. And you're living proof of it. Look how many times you've reinvented yourself. <laughs> I, right? yes, I have been, I've been known. Someone called me a Renaissance man the other day. I was like, that's, well, right. that's maybe the nicest thing someone ever said to me. I'll take it. Well, Versus, why didn't, yeah. I mean, like, why don't we end it on that to say, you know what? We're in the dark ages right now. That yes. is the truth. And it took scientists and engineers to be exposed to the creative, Leonardo da Vinci, Degas, right? Who decided to uh, explore the creative and brought humanity out of the dark ages. Mm. Now, can you imagine what a city like Calgary, who has got all of these incredible scientists, engineers, 
if they were exposed to the creative, we could usher in the second renaissance. Uh, and mic drops right there. <laughs> Tina, that was fantastic. Um, oh, I, I'm just going to leave it because I feel like I want to chime in or add to it. That was beautiful. Thank you for sharing. What is the best way for people to get a hold of you? Because I know if I was listening, I'm inspired. I want to reach out. I want to find out. I want to get in your world somehow. So how do I, how do I connect? Uh, you can connect with me at uh, tinamathis.com um, or you can follow me on Instagram at b underscore human xo. Oh, B underscore human. That's going to be my next Instagram ad. B underscore okay. human. Not that, not that I'm already not spending too much time on Instagram these days, but that's another story. Yeah, <laughs> it's just so easy to take those little Instagram breaks. Yeah, it is. Well, Tina, thank you so much for the time today. And I've really, I was looking forward to it. It did not disappoint. I was really, I really enjoyed our conversation. I appreciate your insights. Thank you. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. <laughs>